Welcome to Smith Weekly Discussions, an occasional program for our members of Smith Weekly Research. Please note this program is a private discussion and everything contained herein is for entertainment and educational purposes only. With that, we hope you're in a comfortable position, along with your favorite beverage, to enjoy the discussion. We remind our audience to examine our show notes attached to each of our shows to better understand how our program functions. Before we get into our discussion, we want to say thanks for questions coming from our audience at Smith Weekly, including Ben H. at TDG underscore 13, Cyril O, and Todd A. Returning to the program today is Wayne Hiley. Wayne is the Managing Director and CEO of Peninsula Energy, a U.S.-focused uranium project developer and producer advancing the Lance ISR project with various uh, initiatives, including optimization in the state of Wyoming, United States. The company is listed on the Australian Securities Exchange under the symbol PEN and also on the US OTC markets under the symbol PENMF. Wayne, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Andrew. It's great to be back talking with you. Absolutely. It's been a while since we've done a podcast together. I appreciate you taking the time. Well, how about we kick it off here with getting right into the market? Uh, just go back no more than five months here to start the year. Talk about the impacts that you've seen on this market. Uh, a little bit of blood in the streets here with respect to the equities recently due to the broad markets. What are your thoughts? What are you seeing? Well, we'll talk about the uranium markets, and and you know we have to really just acknowledge that. Uh, we're looking at some of the best fundamental uranium markets that we've seen in, in decades, really now. Uh, you know, my career ex extends over 30 years, and I'm just, you know, absolutely excited about the, the way the uranium market is shaped up today. Some of it due to, you know, very unfortunate events like the war in Ukraine, uh, but more of it just fundamentally driven you know, demand is strong uh, and it continues to strengthen, uh, you know, the, the energy markets today, uh, governments recognizing with their policy how important nuclear energy is. And, and there's a long list, we can go through that, of, of governments that, that are, you know, adding to their um, nuclear, uh, pro-nuclear policies and strengthening their positions with respect to nuclear that, of course, feeds the uranium markets because uranium is the only fuel for, for the nuclear power plants when it comes right down to it. And then supply on the other side is still very uncertain. We're coming out of a prolonged uh, down market for uranium. And you know companies have, have retraced and, and retrenched and idled projects and projects have been idled for very long times in many instances. Producers are still not fully ramped up, and there's a lot of uncertainty long-term as to where supply will come from. You also have secondary supply uh, you know, questions. Uh, the secondary supplies would carried us through this down market, and it, and it sort of propagated the down market. Uh, but now secondary supply is in decline. Um, a lot of secondary supply comes from enrichers. And, and the enrichment industry, um, maybe the biggest uh, benefit, uh, beneficial entity of, of anti-Russia sentiment that, that the Western world has taken, um, you know, enrichment is, is pricing is way up and demand for Western enrichment is through the roof because of the share that Russia had in the enrichment market. 
where I'm going with that is enrichers are going to need more feedstock because the Western enrichers are, are seeing, you know, better and better prices and more and more demand for, for their capacity. They need to grow to fill the Western market um, requirements. So, you know, these are all, you know, just excitingly um, strong uh, fundamentals for nuclear fuel, for nuclear energy as a whole. And, and uh, you know, it's a great time to be in the space. Lots of things happening here. A lot of things that we didn't have on our bingo cards, there's no doubt in my mind. Everything has been overwhelmingly with tailwinds. And certainly there's some impacts to that to others. And, and obviously warfare and these things aren't uh, desirable. But uh, nonetheless, uh, for this market and to point out the issues with respect to energy, if you have to go all the way to the point of where we're at today in the first five months of this year, I hope it's abundantly clear to regulators and the folks who proclaim to be uh, supporting what this various countries need and the people, which are the most important. Energy is, is very important and that, that this should highlight the need for independent energy, independent natural resource development, and all of these things to become self-sustaining within your own borders as much as possible. But nonetheless, let's move on here because uh, we could talk more about those topics, but let's keep it on uranium and also on Peninsula. Uh, recent news, uh, license amendment for Lance. Just talk about that for a moment. Well, sure. You know, Peninsula has been preparing its Lance project for a resumption of production. And, and we've been using uh, or intend to use the best available uranium recovery technology. That meant that over the last several years, where our, while our project was idled, we were still very active. We were technically de-risking and regulatorily de-risking and operationally de-risking our project, and and preparing it for a transition to, um, you know, what we're we're calling low pH in situ recovery. That's the method that is used, um, you know, throughout the world and produces some of the lowest cost uranium globally. Um, our efforts over the last several years meant that you know, we obtained our, our uh, full uh, regulatory approvals to, to transition our process chemistry from alkaline to low pH. Uh, we're very excited about that. But recently we um, announced that, that we've received uh, an additional permit amendment approval. Uh, that amendment allows us to, to utilize um, chemical oxidants, uh, gaseous oxygen, hydrogen peroxide, sodium chlorate. You know, we have a, we have a group of, of options there on oxidants, um, but it allows us to use that in conjunction with the low pH chemistry. Uh, that was something that wasn't contained in our original uh, project amendments, but as we tested and developed, we recognized that using the oxidants in our instance uh, would certainly strengthen the uranium recovery, um, the overall uranium recovery, and the rate of recovery. Um, so we can get the uranium out of the ground um, faster, and we can get more of it out if we utilize the um, oxidants. Uh, we've worked with uh, the state of Wyoming, who is our regulatory authorities, and you know they took a, a comprehensive review of of any potential environmental or other effects that that. Um, would relate to to utilizing the oxidant in the um, in the chemistry, and you know they came to the conclusion that it was appropriate and and safe and environmentally friendly, and um, you know they approved the uh, the amendment for us to 
uh, utilize the oxidant. Uh, and that was done, you know, in, in time now that we can complete our transition and get the project started up utilizing the oxidant. Very well, Wayne. I appreciate the update on that and great to see the regulators accept things as you guys are presenting them here. So that's great. Uh, so a little bit of other news that came out, uh, financial results. Uh, speak to the financial results here. Um, anything you want to point out in those results, and then let's get back over to the feasibility study. Certainly. Well, while we were uh, all working on our technical and regulatory de-risking, um, the company is also focused um, on, on our balance sheet fundamentals. Um, over the last several years, we've retired our debt. We have no debt. Um, <clears throat> we've We've had our uh, contract book. Uh, we we've been selling uranium. Um, you know, a little known and an underappreciated fact that that Peninsula has been um, selling uranium to customers since we started production back in 2016. Um, every year, um, but our contract book is ramping up now. Um, <clears throat> we have we have more annual deliveries than than we did in the past. So one of the highlights from our our quarterly was was sales of uranium. We uh, sold uh, 200,000 pounds of uranium out of out of our inventory uh, and to our customers in the first quarter. Um, you know, we we have uh, gross revenues of over 10 million dollars on that on that sale uh, because the pricing was was in the 50s. Um, you know, we uh, we have a uranium inventory now that we didn't have in the past. Uh, we, we're maintaining an inventory of around 300,000 pounds. Uh, we drew uranium out of that inventory for that sale, but we have a purchase agreement that will uh, uh, have uranium delivered back into our inventory in the, in this current quarter. So, you know, we'll replenish that inventory um, using a purchase agreement we had. And that purchase agreement had fixed pricing and it was was agreed to well over a year and a half ago while uranium uh, prices were, you know, hanging with a three in front, not a not a five or a six. So so we're buying um, and replenishing our inventory with uh, with material that's priced in the in the low 30s. Um, you know, a little bit of swing in our in our um, in our quarterly reporting. You know, to understand it, uh, we had about seven million dollars in cash at the end of the quarter. Uh, we were paid for that delivery right after the end of the quarter, and that brought in another ten million dollars. And then we're going to purchase uh, the replacement inventory uh, this quarter. Um, so you know, everything levels out. You know, we have. Uh, you know, probably $10 million of cash available to us. We have an inventory that's worth about $20 million. Uh, we have a very strong balance sheet. Um, and we've been uh, continuing to invest in our project. Um, that's the other quarterly highlight. We have a, a pre-decisional uh, program going on uh, where we're um, working on, on preparing the Lance projects for the resumption of production. Uh, we're, you know, the markets are right. We're fully anticipating that uh, we'll make a final investment decision on on returning Lance to production in, in the second half of this year, and we anticipate that it'll be positive. Um, and we're we're putting our money down on that. Uh, you know, we've, we're investing about three and a half million dollars into uh, site preparation for the resumption of production. We have drill rigs back on the site for the first time in a couple of years. We have three drill rigs actively preparing and working on, on new well field areas. Uh, we're 
we're uh, preparing our old well field areas for, for resumption of production. Uh, we're actually operating them and generating a little bit of uranium uh, in the process. So it's, it's a very exciting time at the site. Everybody's active. We've, we've staffed up. Uh, we're, we're very close to full operational staff. And, uh, you know, we're progressing the project as if it's going to start. Uh, we just haven't made that final decision. On the updated feasibility study that you guys are working on, can you talk towards a little bit of expectations and maybe some results that are expected to come out of there? And also, I know you can be limited on that because it's still in process, but also when will that updated feasibility study hit the street? So it's important to know. I mean, look, we're we're living in an inflationary environment right now. And, and and I've said it um, in in some other um, contexts, but if you haven't updated your feasibility study in the last several months, it's probably out of date because of inflation. Uh, we recognize that, but that wasn't the primary driver for us updating our feasibility study. You know, we've just spent the last three to four years technically de-risking and optimizing our project ideas. So we're um, now rolling the learnings of the of the optimization and 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 uh, technical de-risking uh, into an updated feasibility study. Uh, we anticipate that that feasibility study will be uh, released in the third quarter. Um, and, and that's really, you know, Peninsula following a very fundamental path. Um, we have been following fundamental uh, principles all along, um, but, uh, you know, we've, we did the technical de-risking and now we're going to do it, uh, a revised economic analysis based on the optimizations that we found and, and all of the technical um, learnings that we've we've accomplished during the last several years uh, since we last updated our feasibility study roll into that some of the economic assumptions related to inflation and and other you know supply chain issues by the middle of this year you know it's early in the third quarter hopefully we'll be able to release something um, you know but it's going to be a very high quality uh, feasibility study uh, based on strong technical evidence uh, and, and um, you know, just fundamentally proper assumptions. So, you know, we're looking forward to that. Um, you know, I don't really have guidance yet on, on uh, you know, the, the outcomes of that feasibility study. Uh, we're, we're actually looking at, you know, what it's going to, what it would take to, to, you know, to ramp our project up, not, you know, beyond its current capacity, which is around 1 million pounds a year, you know, but to double that, you know, straight in, um, the market's strong. Uh, the the demand for for uranium is strengthening, and and uh, there's no reason why we shouldn't then analyze and and understand uh, what the economics would be if we if we take our project up closer to our licensed capacity, which is three million pounds per year. Well, looking forward to seeing how those results come out here, Wayne, and give the audience just a update on the capital structure you mentioned a few things there in the financial results but uh talk about the shares outstanding major yeah. shareholders if you'd like and then also let me just couple that with what are your needs on financing for the rest of the year or do you think you're good to go well because we have the sales and we have ongoing sales we've guided that we'll be netting um, from our sales and and you know transactions about uh, eight to nine million dollars uh, in this calendar year 2022 
uh, normally eight to nine million dollars will fully fund us um, as a company. You know, we did that last year. You know, we we netted between seven and eight million dollars from our sales, and 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 um, you know that funded our company. We had no uh, reason to be in the capital markets uh, raising cash. Uh, you know, to keep the lights on. That's the case this year too. Uh, so we have, uh, you know, somewhere, you know, close to $30 million of um, liquid assets between our cash and our, invent- our, our uranium inventory. Um, and we have revenues coming in. So financially, we're a pretty strong company. Uh, it will take us money to ramp up um, our, uh, our project if we make that final investment decision in, in, the, in the second half of this year and we start ramping up, you know, we have guided previously that you know, the cost to transition our project from, from the alkaline chemistry to the low pH chemistry, it's about $6 million. Now we, we can easily say that we have that covered. Um, you know, to ramp up production and, and to have a new well fields prepared. You know, we're starting the investment on that now with that three and a half million dollars. But, you know, a new well field can run uh, 12 to 15 million dollars in this day and age. So, uh, you know, that's capital that, that we're going to have to, you know, either draw from our assets, you know, our, uh, from our inventory or our current cash um, or or look to the markets for a um, modest uh, amount of capital infusion into the company. Our capital structure today uh, is very clean. We have about a billion shares on issue. That's not so uncommon for an, an Australian company. Um, but we don't have um, significant options and we have no warrants. Um, you know, we, what we have is free trading shares um, and, and uh, very, very few options. Um, that you know, we had a we had options related to some past finance activities that have expired now. Um, you know, they're out of the market, uh, and and just uh, we have just a very clean balance sheet of, of free trading shares around a billion, uh, very uh, no warrants and very few options. Appreciate the update on that. How about with respect to term market discussions with utilities? People are always interested in hearing a bit about this and getting the perspectives uh, from the company side. Any comments there with respect to ongoing conversations that are uh, taking place? First of all, I appreciate that you asked the question in the context of the term markets, because the spot market gets all the attention, uh, and you know the spot uranium price typically, um, you know, lags behind the term market price. Uh, that's because the term markets are where the the suppliers and the and the consumers um, usually work, um, and and the term markets are priced to incentivize commitments, long-term commitments. So, uh, you know, when we look at uh, contracting, we're not looking so much at the spot price, but but the term price. And today, um, the term markets are in a period of, of price discovery. Um, the spot markets, when they run up like they have recently, uh, typically uh, surpass the term markets because the term market activity is a, is a much longer uh, process. It's, it's a slower process. Uh, and, and today we see uh, the inverse of the norm. Uh, we have spot price higher than the term, term price. Um, that means that, um, you know, if you're looking at a fixed price uh, contract, 
um, you, and you're a, a supplier, you know, you're reluctant to, to sell into the term market because the spot market offers a better price. Um, you know, if you're, if you're looking to um, uh, provide market-related contracts into the term market, this is a good time. And that's really the vehicle that most of the utilities are, are interested in today. You know, and that leverages us to the higher uh, prices that we see, you know, coming in the market. I really think that the, you know, the term market is is going to rise to meet and exceed the spot market and not the converse. We're not going to see the, the spot market retreat to the term market. Lots of discussions today with utilities. Uh, the utilities are, are very open to um, having off-market discussions about um, companies' um, capabilities to supply to them, to assess if they think that you know the company's a, a proven reliable supplier, or if they're you know too risky to really enter into long-term contracts right now. Again, the advantage for Peninsula is that we have been um, you know uh, placed in that category of a proven reliable supplier. We've been selling and, and supplying material to our customers since 2016. Um, so, you know, we're not new to that. We have customers. We, we have customers that we can expand our contract book with, and, and we have um, conversations ongoing with um, folks that we've never sold uranium with before. Um, there's a lot of emphasis now on diversity of supply, um, and that emphasis is with the utilities, the customer base. Um, you know, they're interested in long-term diverse sources of supply, there is a, a clear pivot away from the, the Russian uh, markets, and, and that's opening a lot of uh, opportunities for um, the Western-oriented producers like Peninsula. Absolutely agreed, Wayne. I think the United States got a lot more important recently, and it's always been a great interim source of material, and Australia has gotten a lot more attention, and certainly Namibia gets more attention, and, and to some respect, Niger. Canada gets the attention, but the problem is, is you have one incumbent there. There's nothing else in the near term, midterm that will be coming online there other than, of course, the incumbent, uh, Cameco, of course. On the contract side, I want to stay on this, the term side. You know, with inflation here and escalations across the board and everything that's happening in the market with respect to both the cost side and also where we, we see the price going longer term here, what do you think with respect to your guys' uh, company you know, production profile and also the market fundamentals? Would there be a bottom line contracting price in your view now uh, that may have changed um, over the last, say, eight months? And do you see that the company will leave some good room for a production profile that has a little bit of exposure to prices in excess of $100 at this point? Do you think it's crazy to be in that viewpoint that there'll be some areas where you could capture 100 plus? Well, this is this is a fun question because most people think this is mutually exclusive. That if you're contracting, you're you're preventing yourself from having exposure to the market, and and you're tying yourself into today's prices. Um, but the truth is, you can have both. You can you can contract and have market exposure. Uh, a lot of the it's what I talked about a minute ago. A lot of the utilities today are interested in market based. Um, uh, contracting prices. Uh, they know that the markets are going to go up and down, and they know that it's their responsibility to pay the, the market price. Uh, they're willing to to sign um, agreements that 
that have them buying uh, uranium at prices tied to the market, no matter where the market goes. I mean, you may put in floors and ceilings, um, and and that's really where you know most of the negotiation goes into if you're doing a market-based uh, contract. You know, first of all, they're 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 understanding that you're a reliable supplier, um, and and you're saying, well, I have to have a minimum price to ensure profitability and return for my shareholders. It's the responsible thing for me to do. So, uh, you know, I think today's market for Peninsula um, is one that we can we can achieve a, a floor price that's uh, ensured to be good for the company, um, and then you know you talk about a ceiling price if it. If it runs away, you know, way out of control, the utilities like to have a little bit of a cap on on what they might pay. That's part of the incentive to, for them to sign a contract. So you can have your cake and eat it. You can you can contract today and keep yourself market exposed on your pricing. We expect the price to go up. Uh, we would hate to lock in today's term price because you know it it probably doesn't represent the future of the uranium market. Wayne, give the audience a little bit more flavor to your expectations. You know, obviously you can't give up everything and there's a lot of pieces that are going to be required when you negotiate these term contracts. But is it safe to say that generally the production profile of the company probably doesn't get penned any less than $55 uranium? It's probably safe to say that, yes, um, because, you know, that a that's pretty much where the market is today uh and and um you know the, we weren't signing contracts in the last several years when the market was lower but you know, again back to fundamentals andrew um you know why are we updating our feasibility study so that we can have a very reliable predictor of what our production costs are going to be and then we'll turn to um you know, securing the contracts that ensure profitability and, and, you know, make this mine viable for the long term. And how about with respect to the discussions of sanctions with the fuel cycle that are coming out from various governments around the world and specifically to the potential of U.S. sanctions here uh, to ramp up on the fuel cycle specifically? Do you see any issues with respect to your guys's uh, profile? I, I see that this would be overwhelmingly positive, Wayne. Uh, for a company like Peninsula, would there be a potential for you guys not to be able to work with certain utilities in the case of sanctions? Uh, any comments on that and how you might readjust that contract book if there is such a thing in place? I, I doubt that that would be the case, but I wanted to ask. Yeah. Well, I, it's simply not the case. Um, you're right. We, we've we always um, you know, targeted the Western-oriented um, utilities uh, as our customer base. Um, quite frankly, the the uh, the eastern markets the you know the, the Russian and Chinese markets have been um, very difficult for for junior uranium miners to penetrate and uh, and we aren't doing business in in those markets right now um, U.S. suppliers are are just simply not um, finding you know China as its customer base um, but you know really the discussion is to pivot away from Russia. And uh, you know we don't have any assets that are impacted by that pivot, other than positively, um, you know, with our with our Lance project in the United States um, and our and our company being Australian fundamentally, um, you know, we're in we're in a very good spot. Um, 
you know, they, today um, it's it's the it's the Western suppliers who really have to pick up and 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 deliver for the Western um, uh, demand, and and we're fully prepared to uh, do our part. You know, to to start production again and and uh, you know start delivering a, a consistent amount of supply into the the Western markets. So let's just just make an assumption here that uh, the company underpins uh, projects and, and lands and exploration and everything the company's doing with a 70 to 80 percent term contract book. Uh, would you guys look to leave a little bit of that contract book open with respect to the demand, you know, both the artificial demand and, and just the overall demand that will probably be in the spot market for small quantities, not large quantities, but for small quantities, would you guys utilize you know, traders, uh, vehicles like Sprott and some of the other brokers out there to move a small quantity of that production profile into the spot market to take advantage of potential good spot prices? We're every bit as capable of selling into the spot market as a trader. Um, you know, I'm not I'm not putting the traders down, but, uh, you know, we we've, we've utilized, uh, um, you know, that community, you know, for for supply, for, you know, f filling our uh, the gap between our production and and our uh, sales requirements in the past. Uh, very happy about that, but um, you know, making a spot transaction is a is a pretty simple um, uh, step. Uh, so, would we save some production for the spot market? Yes, um, I, I think that's responsible. You know, the responsible thing for a company to do is to leverage the term market to make sure that they'll be profitable long term. But not fully commit to the all of your production to the term market because um, you do want to have exposure to the to the blue sky opportunities of of the spot market. You know, days like this, the spot market's paying more than the the term market, and and it's good to have a little extra for the spot market if you're a producer. Um, you know, you can achieve market exposure through your term contracts or through uh, simply not committing to term. And, and it's a little more comfortable position um, to allow for, uh, you know, disruptions in production, whatever that may come down the road as a mining company, if you're not fully committing your entire uh, production capacity to contracts. Um, so it's a, you always reserve a, a portion, and 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 I like the numbers you're talking about, you know, 20, 30 percent, sometimes even 40 percent of your production into the spot market. But, uh, you know, the more you leave for spot market, the more you uh, have the opportunity to you know, negatively impact the spot market because you're going you're going there and selling material and you're adding to the um, the mobile inventory, if you will. Agreed. That, yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. And, you know, there's going to be good demand there in that market. And certainly an area where you have to be careful as a producer to make sure that you don't impact it in a negative way uh, as much as possible because you're one party of multiple parties that will utilize this. And certainly you're in a unique position, too, where you have flexibility as a smaller producer to be able to make some of those opportunistic moves without impacting the market. But definitely with some of the physical demands out there with coming from Yellow Cake and, of course, uh, Sprott and uh, some of these other folks out there that will be looking to mop up material out there can make sense. I agree with what you're thinking is there and looking forward to seeing some of that get captured as this cycle moves on here. With respect to share performance, 
and this is uh, subjective, but underperformance compared to some peers, Wayne, any comments on the performance of the company shares? And do you see that really changing with the startup announcement? Do you think the market is looking for that re-rate on that startup commitment? And then besides the obvious, the re-rate that would come with cake in a can. I do see us, um, you know, really coming coming to um, sector performance or better in the in the coming weeks and months. Um, look, uh, technical de-risking, operational de-risking, regulatory matters all you know weigh heavily on investors' minds. And um, you know the the road we have been down as a company in the last several years is not always been investor friendly i recognize that but the outcome uh, the end point of of the road we traveled is is um is very important we had to do some some work we had to you know pay off debt we had to uh, de-risk our project and change fundamentally how we were you know we were approaching our project uh, technically um, and and so you know that's led to some of the underperformance is just that the things that we had to do um, fundamentally important but uh, not always investor friendly. Today we're at the end of that road. We've come to the point where we've we've completed our technical de-risking. We feel very uh, good about our operational and production potential. Uh, we've achieved the regulatory. Um, repermitting work um, uh, successfully, and you know there were a lot of people who were doubters uh, a couple of years ago when when we said what we wanted to do. They said they'll never get that done. Uh, you know I'm here to tell you it's done, and they were wrong. Um, you know financially we're in the best position we've been in a long time, but um, at at the end of the day, you know we've kept our heads down. Uh, we we've done the fundamental work to to improve um, all the aspects of the company, and uh, we haven't been out um, you know um, hyping and promoting the company um, in the ways that others have. So we've flown under the radar, uh, but it's time now for and, and people are hearing our story and they're recognizing the strength of our story today. Uh, I think that you know our day is now. Uh, it wasn't our day two years ago, but our day is now. We're we're a company that's uh, now ready to make that investment decision to restart the project, to prove our production muscle, you know, to de deliver um, strong production results to the market. Wayne, with respect to growth possibilities out there, uh, we know that there's potential for expiration upside at Lance. But outside of that, and maybe you can just speak to that upside with the Lance project, but also talk about other growth possibilities that the company would uh, potentially pursue here. Absolutely. The context is, though, that in a down market that we're emerging from, um, there was no money for exploration. Um, nobody was investing significant dollars into uranium exploration, uh, you know, organically or, you know, or otherwise. Uh, today, the markets have shifted. And, and we recognize there's an opportunity to add to our in-ground inventory. So first, at the Lance Project, while we have a very large project and we've always been content to uh, you know, have 53 million pounds of JORC compliant resources um, on our, our one and only you know, flagship project, um, we know that the exploration potential and the resource expansion potential at the Lance Project itself is, 
is absolutely significant. When you look back at the history of Peninsula, you'll see a company that grew the Lance project from a, uh, a resource base that was stated to be around eight to 10 million pounds up to 50 million pounds uh, already. But that was just the tip of the iceberg. We, fo we were focused on the northern half of a, of a, a 24 mile long um, uranium uh, um, mineral interests holding. The Lance project is, is very sizable. The southern half of our project is entirely inferred resources now. And when you look at the history of the project, every time that, that the company invested in upgrading inferred resources, um, the, the investment resulted in an expansion of resources, not, um, not just a, a conversion of inferred to, to measured and indicated. So we have a tremendous uh, opportunity to add to our in-ground inventory at the Lance project. And, um, you know, we're assessing um, how we might invest into doing that in, in the near term. Uh, we also are looking at, um, you know, uh, in-house uh, organic ideas. Of, of projects that that um, you know we can put together. Uh, again, a very experienced and veteran um, uranium production team, uh, folks that have been in the industry since the uh, uh, you know, late 1970s, early 1980s, um, and know all of, of the stones to turn. And 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 we're aware of projects that. Uh, um, you know, we could add to our portfolio. Um, it's probably time for uh, Peninsula to look at, uh, you know, expanding our um, pipeline. Uh, you know, it, it's good to have a, a solid uh, flagship property, but it's also important to to look at your pipeline and projects and and where's the next growth stage for the company going to come from. Uh, we're at that point now. Uh, the uranium markets are supportive of that. Um, we're putting in the uh, the time and effort to to um, look at how we can um, add to the project pipeline of Peninsula. Very well. Well, looking forward to seeing how that goes, Wayne, and appreciate your comments there. Well, to wrap up here, uh, for potential investors who are on the sidelines listening, market cap of Peninsula Energy stands at about 215 million Australian dollars. What would you say to them about considering the company at this stage? It's not just me. I think it's everybody that says, you know, Peninsula has pretty much been under the radar and we're somewhat undervalued in today's market. I think that's true. We have a lot of upside potential just because of the undervaluation of the company and the exciting news flow that, you know, we see coming in the, in, in the rest of this year alone. Um, it's, it's a, it's a great time to be in the uranium markets. Uh, even, you know, here we are talking about, you know, pricing in the 50s and 60s, and and it was just a decade ago, um, in the period right after Fukushima, that that we had pricing higher than this. You know, pre-Fukushima, and 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 for a short time after Fukushima, we still had uranium prices that exceeded uh, today's levels. So while we're excited about seeing um, you know 20 and 30 dollar prices and even 40 dollar prices in the rearview mirror. Uh, the uranium markets have a, a, a great deal of uh, advancement ahead of them still. And, and with that uh, uranium price, 
and and with the activities that the uh, that Peninsula has been involved with preparing its company and its flagship project um, for a resumption of production, uh, our best days are ahead, um, and and I think the markets are going to uh, really start to appreciate our story and and understand it as as one that's been very transformative, and and is today um, ready, uh, ready to produce, ready to. Uh, to be that that next tier producer uh, of uranium and, and enjoy uh, very favorable markets. And the best way for investors to reach out to the company? You know, go to our website. There's always a link at our website. Email, um, email me at info at pel.net.au. So that's a very simple way to, to reach out with questions and, and I'm very responsive to to the folks who who utilize that uh, opportunity, you know, by email, uh, because uh, a lot of our shareholders are in Australia and I'm in uh, North America. Um, you know, email is a great way to reach out to me initially um, because you know it gives me a chance to receive those emails and respond during my daytime. Um, you won't get an immediate response if you're in in the in Australia or that side of the world, but uh, if you're in North America, you might. Or, or South America or, or wherever. So, uh, look, you know, we're really easy to find on, on the internet. Uh, and I'm always happy to respond to, uh, sh you know, shareholder questions and investor questions. Well, Wayne, both us uh, Australian Connection folks and also North America Connection folks, we seem to work 24-7 these days, but appreciate the info. And it's always a pleasure to chat, Wayne. I really do appreciate it. Uh, keep up the work at Peninsula and good luck. Oh, thank you, Andrew. It's been a pleasure to, to speak with you today.